This episode is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided should not be used as an alternative to medical advice from your doctor or other professional healthcare providers. Also, please keep in mind, sometimes the opinions of our guests are diametrically opposed to our position at Functional Medical Institute. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Healthcare's Missing Link, a podcast where we help you uncover those things that are stealing your best health. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Sherwood, as always. And today we have a very special guest. I got to meet this man a while back, um, probably several weeks ago. And um, well, we hit it off. He is a he's a colleague. He's became a friend. He's a, he's a brother. Uh his bio is such, Dr. Richard Bartlett, he's practiced medicine in West Texas for over three decades. He was selected by Governor Rick Perry several years ago to join the Health Disparities Task Force, where their mission and purpose was to provide better access to quality health care for all of the, the Texans in our so-called South of the Border State. You guys know I'm from Oklahoma, so there we go. He served as an expert with the CBS affiliate in West Texas uh, as a medical expert for 20 years, and he was awarded the Meritorious Service Award by the Commissioner on Health and Human Services for his work with the task force with Governor Perry. Uh, Welcome, Dr. Bartlett. Thank you, man, for coming on. I appreciate it. Well, thank you, doctor. It's good to be with you. Well, we are going to dive right into it. I don't want to kill any time on this. The the COVID-19 pandemic is here. And whether we believe it or not, we cannot deny it. And you have been successful in treating um, over a thousand, you probably correct me the number now, patients of COVID with success. How do you do that? Well, we're using a protocol that's intuitive. Uh, I'm an emergency room doctor and general practice doctor in Texas. And so the tools that we have at our disposal have been, uh, the things that I'm using have been available for decades. And uh, so with COVID, you know that it's a breathing problem uh, as well as other things. It's a respiratory virus. And so uh, what we're using is budesonide, which is an corticosteroid. We're using it as a nebulizer treatment. People breathe it in. The medicine's made into a mist with a nebulizer machine, a very simple device. And that allows uh, over 60% to get to the target tissue in the lungs and decrease the release of these inflammatory poisons called cytokines from the lung tissue. And the second thing is an aspirin to protect from clotting because one of those poisons is called thromboxanes. And that increases the ability to clot anywhere and cause heart attacks, strokes, clots in the lungs called pulmonary emboli, which are killers. And then we also give an aspirin, besides an aspirin, we give uh, an antibiotic called clarithromycin that protects from bacterial pneumonia. And uh, that's working. And we also give zinc that slows down the replication of the virus. And so I'll give you some success stories. Yeah. Um, This is extreme. Uh, A lady, I get a call on a Thursday night. The husband's overwhelmed. He says that the hospital called me. They want me to pull the plug on my wife. They said that uh, they need an order from me for a hospice care and that uh, although I have COVID, um, they won't let me come into the hospital, but they'll let one of our children come in and they'll uh, let them put the gown on, the mask, and watch in the ICU as this doctor pulls the uh tube out of her throat and lets her die humanely is what the wording was. 
And he said, I can't do that. My wife made me promise that we would do everything we could so she can be here for our children. They said, well, we'll get a court order and we will pull the plug, whether you like it or not, in 14 days. And uh, so he's calling me desperate for help. The rest of the backstory is he and his wife went to the emergency room four days before. They were both sick. Uh, he had lost his job because of the downturn in the economy. And he's an oil field driller. The oil field went down. Uh, COVID's down, uh, causing him trouble. He, they both test positive for COVID. His wife is taken from him, intubated. Later, he didn't know that they were doing that and put her on the ventilator and sent him home sick. And so uh, he's having trouble getting in touch with the hospital and finding out what's going on until that night when they said, we want orders to pull the plug. And he said no. And so the next morning, uh, he and I play phone tag uh, with the hospital operator trying to get a hold of his doctor who hides from floor to floor in the hospital from us for two hours. And then um, uh, I have to uh, uh, do some things. He calls me on my phone. And uh, he's joining me to a call with that doctor. And I hear the doctor's voice saying, that medicine, he's talking about budesonide, that medicine might work sometimes early, but it, she's going to die. And I lost it um, when I heard that. I, I could not stand how he was condescending to this husband and, that he's trying to get to throw in the towel on his wife. And uh, so I, I tell him, doctor, if a, if a patient has cancer and is told they have six months to live, are they terminal? He said, yes. He didn't hesitate. I said, if, a, if, a, if this, this patient right now, this lady, she's on 100% oxygen on the ventilator. She's on high keep, the pressure that they're pounding the lungs with, that's damaged lungs, every breath with the ventilator. I said, could she die any minute? He said, yes, any minute. I said, is she terminal? I don't know. Uh, I'd say critical. And I said, well, is she terminal? I don't know. I'd say critical. Now that I know that they were trying to get hospice orders, you can't be a hospice patient unless you are deemed terminal. And so that was a lie through his teeth. And uh, with his help, she was going to be terminal because mm -hmm. uh, he had given her dexamethasone. She has insulin diabetes. Her sugar was over 350 all the time. They had an insulin drip chasing the problem that they were creating. And she was going over the cliff. And yeah, she is terminal in his hands. Her oxygen saturation at the time was 80% with 100% oxygen on the ventilator with that high peep. She was about to die. And I said, okay, the family wants budesonide nebulizer treatments. And he says, well, I'll check into it. And I says, no, you can do it. And he says, well, I can check. I said, do it. And he says, okay, I'll do it. And he orders the budesonide, pulls everything else off the dexamethasone, all medicines, just to show us that it won't work. Right. Well, in one day, her need for extra oxygen goes from 100% FiO2 down to 50%. In one day, mm. in one week, she's off the ventilator. And she's feeding mm. herself, talking to her family, getting her head clear from all the sedatives that they were pumping into her. Um, they were to told, you know, we don't think she's a, you got any brain activity. She's talking mm. to everybody. She's texting her husband, I love you. He's at home. Uh, initially, they had turned, apparently, the husband says that they had turned her against him in the hospital. Her only input when she came to consciousness was from the hospital. And, and they, she was convinced that her husband had betrayed her and had abandoned her. 
Wow. And Richard, is the, is the hospital a safe place right now, in your opinion? Well, I would say with COVID, uh, your most likely place to die would be in a hospital right now, mm-hmm. and definitely in an ICU. And if you get on a ventilator, then you've crossed another line. And it used to be nine out of 10 that get on a ventilator die. That was reported re- over and over. And now some hospitals are bragging it's only four out of 10. Well, no, thank you. Uh, I'd rather not be on the four out of 10 even. Uh, so uh, there's another way. This lady got budesonide nebulizer treatments. Budesonide, it cost $3 for each treatment. And they were not willing to give it every two hours, which was what we wanted. They were only willing to give every six hours. They were trying to show it didn't work. Guess what? It worked. She's home. She's going home. And uh, Mm -hmm. so isn't that crazy that this is happening in the United States? And you know what happened? The doctor got mad at the husband and told him on the phone he was going to take away his conservatorship or whatever and take away his rights to be the decision maker. And they did it. They took away his rights as a husband to be the decision maker for his wife? Yes, and after four days of being in a a limbo, not knowing what was going on with his wife while she was on the ventilator um, and recovering, uh, he uh, called them back and threatened to sue them if he he didn't hear something from his, uh, about his wife in one minute. And guess what? In one minute, they were able to reverse that decision. But can you believe that they had the gall to do that? Well, in this time, and this nothing is surprising uh, me at this point in time as we talked pre uh, coming on to the show. I mean, clearly, we know this is uh, uh, becoming a a, a Nazi esque sort of society right now. And and I know we're talking about our country here, Richard. They're talking about our our, our, uh, the land of the free, the home of the brave. Unfortunately, things have changed right now, and we're seeing it changed. With your- I have friends, Mark. I have friends from all over the world. I have friends of every race. I have a family of six adopted kids and one birth child, and so we are every color, just like uh, it is in heaven. Yeah. But I'll tell you what: some of the most of these doctors are foreign doctors that have come to the United States who don't think like you and I think. And it's pretty clear to me they're not valuing other people's lives like you and I do. Mm. And uh, so I am a little bit angry about what's going on right now, if you can't tell. I think I look a little red when I look on the screen. (laughs) I'm not happy about what's happening. And and the first uh, time I met you, first time I met you, um, I was impressed because of the passion, the caring and the compassion. And a lot of people don't have that. And you nailed it right there. You know, we are people. These are people. These are human beings. How did we lose the value of the human being and the love of human beings? And that's that's kind of what you're talking about, isn't it? Just this. Yes. This this is a guy's wife. This is a mom. This is a this is a grandmother, perhaps, you know, and is she at the time of this particular recording? Is she in the hospital still or is she coming? Is she is she going to get out quick or do you know? She was, she was taken off the ventilator three days ago, and the hospital is dragging its feet. Not The doctor's not giving the order to discharge her yet. The husband is fit to be tied. He got a lawyer yesterday involved trying to get her out of the hospital. What is going on? There was, you know, just because someone's a doctor doesn't make them a good person. Some of the worst people are doctors. If you look back in time, there was a doctor named who was, who was the doctor promoted by the government named Joseph Mengele. 
Yeah, no, no kidding, right? Yeah, uh, you know wow. what? Uh, he just because he was a doctor didn't make him a good guy, and just because the government was promoting him didn't make him the guy. And and so I'm telling you, we have some monsters right now. Where uh, it's I I told uh, Chris Salcedo of uh, Newsmax, I said it was like in January 2020, the circus rolled into town. And a bunch of clowns showed up in doctor's suits. And uh, it, it is ridiculous how this has been, our country has been taken for a ride. And it's time to get the train on the tracks the right direction. And we don't have to have the tragedy that's happening. It's almost, I'm going to say, when you deny life-saving care, you're creating a disaster. Yep. And and beyond that, it's, uh, it's like with the testing, uh, we were going to talk about the PCR test. I yep. walked. Fauci being interviewed saying, uh, you know, the PCR test, when it's negative, then they uh, concentrate it and they retest it. If it's negative, they concentrate it and they test it. And they'll do that uh, indefinitely. And, uh, and so if it's up to 35 times, if it's after 35 times, Fauci is saying during that interview that it's uh, just picking up a fragment of coronavirus. And it's, and it's very frustrating to doctors and to the patients and, and, and basically, it's a false positive. But you know what? When I get a report back of a PCR test that's positive, they don't mm-hmm. tell me that it went through 35 cycles or went, went through 40 cycles. I don't know if it's an accurate test. I don't know if this is a false positive or, or, a, or a real positive and whether it's even picking up SARS-2 or is there a new strain it's, or whether it's just a common cold coronavirus. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what? Um, every one of those positives, though, is being counted on the Johns Hopkins website. Every one of those is being thrown out there to put fear in the masses. Um, this is a we have not only a coronavirus that's a COVID-19 uh, COVID SARS-2 pandemic, but we have a pandemic of fear. That's yes, being, sir. We have a, a, a pandemic of deception that's happening. And uh, but, you know, getting down to science, which is what you and I are interested in, uh, there are things that can help somebody who's having trouble breathing. If someone says it comes to me in the emergency room when I work in a 48 hour shift in the emergency room, they say, I can't breathe. I'm going to do what I can to help them breathe. As a matter of fact, doctor, Monday this week, I taught advanced trauma life support to doctors. That's a course that you have to take if you're going to work in the emergency room. That's uh, And guess what part of advanced trauma life support I was teaching to doctors who can't work in the emergency room unless they take this course. I was teaching airway, breathing, circulation. I was teaching how to keep someone alive with breathing problems. You remember in January, we had Fauci and everyone saying we're having a uh, problem uh, that's causing breathing trouble called uh, COVID, coronavirus, yep. and it and we need ventilators, ventilators, we need more ventilators. We don't need more ventilators. That's not the answer. I think we can all agree nine months later, no matter how slow a learner Fauci is, we can say at this point, that's not the final answer. And uh, we need to be proactive. You know what the CDC and the World Health Organization have said? They've said late care only. They have said if to the whole public, we can all we've all been uh, getting the propaganda. If yeah. you have if you have mild to moderate symptoms, you're supposed to stay home if you're a good American, and wait till you have severe symptoms and then seek help. 
Mm-hmm. Have we ever done that with cancer <laughs> or heart disease? Have we ever said, wait till you got stage four cancer and you're about to die and then seek help? What if we did that with heart disease and someone's having the big one? Wait till you're having, wait until, wait until it's really bad. Mm-hmm. Not just when you're having some chest pain, but wait till you're about to pass out and then seek help. Um, does that sound like that's a bad idea? I'm just going to answer yeah. that. But still, that's what the CDC recommendation is. That's what the World Health Organization is. That's what Fauci is recommending. And that's what most hospitals are regurgitating. And uh, so early treatment, we have some, some strategies that work inhaled budesonide. If you go to budesonideworks.com, budesonideworks.com, there's the protocol, the treatment protocol, there's a provider tab. And right now there's provisions where providers can, uh, for many states, can provide uh, telemedicine across state lines so that you can call someone on that uh, list and they, and they can talk to you over the phone and they can call medicine into your pharmacy where you are. There's the connecting the dots. Yeah. Or you have a doctor that you trust, they can look at that protocol and they can prescribe it for you. If they're, if you're in relationship with a family doctor, stay in that relationship, but this is the strategy that's working. Richard, have you got, um, I know the answer, but I want people to hear the answer. Have you got pushback? Have you got criticism from this? You know, isn't it interesting that our president gets pushed back, gets censored, um, that Scott Atlas, who's speaking wisdom and common sense on the White House Coronavirus Task Force is censored, is uh, called names. Um, of course, if you do the right thing, Jesus was mocked uh, and he's my hero. And yep. so uh, I think that uh, he said in this world, you have trouble. But you know what? We're more than overcomers through Christ who strengthens us. He'll make a way where there is no way. And the truth will prevail. And so we're, uh, yes, I've had an attempt attempts. I was being, I was in an interview, an Instagram interview, live interview with uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. on his Instagram live. And in the middle of it, they cut my audio. Instagram did. Yes. And so I've had, uh, add that to the list, Instagram, YouTube. I had that uh, video, that interview that went viral, 5 million views, and then YouTube pulled it because it was the facts. And we yeah. don't want people to be confused with reality and facts. We want to keep them in the science fiction world where, um, hey, let's try what didn't work in China. Um, you know, what did they try in China that didn't work? I think they tried social distancing, shutting down 70 million citizens, closing schools. Uh, they call it social distancing, wearing a mask, um, that, washing your hands frantically, constantly, neurotically. That was what didn't work in China. And then they they used that in France, and guess how? Thirty thousand deaths. It didn't work very well. Uh, and then Italy, thirty thousand deaths didn't work well. France, Spain, thirty thousand deaths didn't work well. Goes to New York, thirty-two thousand deaths within weeks. Didn't work very well that strategy. Mm. But let's talk about Taiwan, where they did early treatment with inhaled steroids was part of their strategy, and early treatment was part of their strategy. And uh, up to August, they only had seven people die during the whole pandemic with 24 million citizens densely populated on a landmass a third the size of New York State. If they were relying on social distancing, they'd be bobbing in the ocean six feet apart from each other. 
wearing their masks and washing their hands frantically in the ocean. That's not the strategy that saved them. They were going with science. They were doing mm-hmm. early treatment and they were using inhaled corticosteroids as part of their strategy. Isn't that interesting? And, and so, I think it's awesome because and if people don't know, I just want to clarify when the PCR, we're talking about polymerase chain reaction where the, the little swab, the Q-tip devices is put up way up in your nasopharyngeal area. And it's trying to get a sample of the DNA of this virus. And that does not mean that the virus is in you. It just means that it's up there somewhere floating around potentially. And as you mentioned, um, Richard, the coronavirus is not an uncommon thing. That's the common cold. And there's various strains of all viruses. So these tests that we're talking about, they're not even, you, you, they're doing a presumptive positive for the SARS-CoV-2. And that's not, that's not accurate, is it? Mark, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've been told that the creator of the PCR test said that it shouldn't be used for diagnosis. Have you heard that? I have heard that, and that's very true because the the diagnosis is not that they're, – they're trying to make a leap here that says if you've been exposed, then you must also be infected. And if you're exposed, if you have the presence of any of the, the DNA there, that means that it's got to be in you. And that's just completely a false statement. That can't be true. You know, so well, – yeah. That you know the numbers of, uh, that we know nine months later is that if fifty percent of the people that are uh, that even test positive will have no symptoms, they'll be asymptomatic. Right. And so you know a lot of people who get the disease, they're not going to even have symptoms. And then we know ninety-two percent of the children that test positive will have no symptoms or mild symptoms. We know that uh, the level, the number of children that have died from COVID, is on par with the amount of children that are killed in school bus related accidents every year. Mm. How are we better save the children and stop the school buses immediately? Ban the school buses. 117 children were killed in school bus related accidents in 2018, the last year that they have numbers on, and that's on par with how many children are dying from COVID. You know why? It's because children have less of those receptors for the virus to latch onto. If you, you know, even if the virus, even if you're around the virus, if you don't have the virus latch onto the ACE receptors, ACE two, uh, right. then you, it can't get into the cells and multiply and make this, make the disease. So right. children have less ACE receptors and uh, research done by people smarter than me that just stay in labs all day um, showed that children have less ACE receptors and every year they have more and more ACE receptors until they're 24 to 25 years old. And they also showed that uh, you can decrease, downregulate the amount of ACE receptors you have with inhaled corticosteroids. That would be steroid nose spray. That would be inhaled steroids in the lungs. And so, if you, if and that's why they believe asthma was not on the top ten comorbidity list in New York State, where you would assume if you have a lung disease called asthma that you'd be that you'd be at the top of the list of people dying from COVID. But in reality. Most people who have any significant asthma are on inhaled corticosteroids, and that's protecting them by downregulating their ACE receptors, and it also blocks the release of cytokines, the poisons from the lungs. So that's a protective thing. Yeah, and for those of you to clarify, the cytokines are going to be basically 
inflammatory signaling molecules that sort of alert the system from a systemic and global standpoint, something's wrong. Consider that be your global police force, if you will, and they go fight everything. And so when you talk about budesonide, you're talking about, and I, I think that I'm getting this, want to make sure I'm clarifying it right. So you would think that an asthmatic would have the highest risk factor, but they don't because they're already doing something that sort of keeps the breathing uh, optimal. And I guess the opposite would be true. An untreated asthmatic might be a risk factor in yes. that case. Now, when someone gets, um, let's let's call this infected, and they know it, and they begin to have symptoms like um, achiness, nausea, fatigue, uh, that's kind of what we see a lot. And then it progresses to where they get a little bit of shortness of breath. Is that the time they need to get on budesonide works or their family physician and start a little bit of this corticosteroid inhalant treatment? So that's an excellent question. With asthma, we look for if someone has shortness of breath, they use albuterol, which is yep. useless for COVID. Albuterol is useless for COVID. It's not FDA approved for COVID, but a lot of emergency room doctors that refuse to give budesonide, which is effective for COVID, will give an albuterol inhaler, which is useless. But albuterol is used when someone feels the shortness of breath with asthma. That's not what we give. We give budesonide an inhaled steroid. Now, mm -hmm. I give it for two reasons. One is it'll decrease the amount of receptors for the virus to latch onto, and you constantly are making new batches of virus. And so it, over time, even if you uh, are decreasing the amount of receptors over the next week by using the steroid, that's still useful to, by using the budesonide. The second thing it does besides decreasing the receptors is it'll block the release of the cytokines. So think of it this way. Every time they use the budesonide nebulizer treatment, they're turning the, the faucet off for the poisons, if you'll think about outside your house, you turn the garden hose on, mm -hmm. you're turning the faucet off for these poisons to be poured out of the bloodstream, in out of the lungs into the bloodstream. It's from the lung tissue into the bloodstream. Mm -hmm. If you put the budesonide nebulizer treatment, it's suppressing, it's turning down the release of the poisons, the poisons that cause all of the symptoms, the body aches, the fatigue. Um, they can cause inflammation of the heart and lead to myositis of the heart and cause a heart attack or increased clotting, the thromboxanes causing mm -hmm. clots in the lungs, heart, brain, uh, or the other inflammatory chemicals. It's interleukin. It's, it's, uh, uh, there's all the interleukins. There's uh, maybe TNF alpha probably. There's a ton of, there's about 30 different inflammatory cytokines that are released. It's not just one. It's not just a dozen. There's about 30 that we know of. And, and all of those, every one of those, budesonide is a perfect match for decreasing the release of them. So the headache goes away. The fatigue goes away. The diarrhea, the upset stomach. Over 50% of people that get COVID symptoms have diarrhea. And the first person that died in Midland County, Texas, uh, died and his presenting symptom was only diarrhea at the emergency room. And so uh, he died, by the way. And mm -hmm. so uh, he wasn't my patient. I want to make that plain. Uh, but uh, uh, tragically, all of these symptoms are, are because of the cytokines released from the lungs. So budesonide early, middle, or late. So I told the story about a lady who was at the end of the rope on 100% oxygen on the ventilator 
high peak pounding those damaged lungs from the cytokines being released unchecked and she's off the ventilator. It also helps early. And guess what? It's also used preventively. Mm-hmm. And so it can be used preventively. Millions of Americans are using budesonide nebulizer treatments daily to protect them from having an asthma attack. So it's safe on healthy people to be used preventively. It's safe in the early disease. And as soon as someone has symptoms, they have to be on this so they don't end up on a ventilator. So they don't end up in a hospital. That's the last place you want to be. If you can avoid it, you want to avoid it. And so um, this is a no-brainer to me, something that costs $3 a treatment that you can do at home mm-hmm. that, that uh, is safe enough to be used on two-pound premature babies in the NICU for, for decades, safe enough to be used on the fragile elderly in nursing homes, that's safe enough to be used by third graders, and they give it to themselves when they come home from school with their roller backpack. They put their backpack away, they eat their Lunchable or their snack, and then they uh, put the medicine in the little nebulizer machine, push the on button and breathe it for five minutes like they're smoking a peace pipe, and then they go play. It's so safe. It's so inexpensive. It has been out for 25 years, FDA approved. By the way, uh, what my message is uh, has been targeted by Fauci has been mentioned, uh, has been alluded to by the World Health Organization. Let me explain. When I I was so excited when I saw that this was saving lives, that I referred to it by a certain term that I promised that I would no longer use because they said it sounds like you're saying uh, a medical term. Yeah. And, um, and so uh, shortly after that, the World Health Organization announced there is no such thing as a silver bullet for COVID-19. Yeah. Yeah. They offered no science for what they said. It's just true because they say it, because, of course, they're always right. Uh, But guess what? For nine months, they said lockdowns are good. And we're so proud of what the Chinese have done. And they were applauding the Chinese effort against COVID. But nine months later, they do a backflip and they say, we condemn lockdowns by governments as a strategy for COVID. Nine months later, they, they reverse and they can't deny it anymore that it's causing more trouble than good. But I think I heard that there's government leaders that are talking about lockdowns and, and shutting down businesses in the United States now after yeah. the World yeah. Health Organization no longer can deny it. And also, um, Fauci had an interview with a actor, Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. And Matthew McConaughey helps him with the messaging by asking him, what about budesonide? Some people think that that is helping them, that it works. And Fauci says, it's just a placebo, Matthew. So why is he talking about budesonide trying to downplay it, specifically budesonide, which is what I've been saying, hey, people, Americans, humans that are priceless, there's uh, something that we're not helpless, we're not hopeless, this is helping people. Why would he target that and say that it's a placebo? It's FDA approved for 25 years, Mark. When is it the FDA's job to approve some placebos? <laughs> if, if something's a placebo, uh, why is the FDA spending government uh, our taxpayer dollars and doing research to prove that it's that it's FDA approved as a placebo? How ridiculous is that statement? Uh, but uh, anyways, yes, I've had a lot of pushback, but you know what? I'm getting calls from around the world, literally, of mm-hmm. people, doctors and patients who's had their lives saved 
with budesonide nebulizer treatments, it's helping them. And so even if it's just one life, even if it's just that lady who was on the ventilator with 100% oxygen and they wanted the family to come and watch in horror as the doctor pulls the endotracheal tube out and lets her die before them. How evil is that? But she's alive. Even if it was just for her that I am giving this message that budesonide nebulizer treatments are effective at blocking the release of all the cytokines and downregulates the ACE receptors. And those two things are huge, huge enough that that lady went from death to life, basically. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to keep telling the good news, the truth. And uh, that's not the only part of our treatment strategy. Uh, we also give antibiotics. And if someone gets a pack, which is very often prescribed, unfortunately, mm-hmm. a ZPAC only covers 78% of strep pneumonia, according to past research. And strep pneumonia is one of the most common bacterial causes of pneumonia. The clarithromycin in, in past research has 80%, 86% coverage of strep pneumonia. 86 is a better score than 78. I'd rather get a B plus than a C. And I want to do the best care. The reason I picked that one is it also covers the atypical chlamydia pneumonia, mycoplasma pneumonia, legionella, and all of the atypical bacteria that uh, penicillins won't cover. You need to cover the atypical bacteria and you need to also protect from strep pneumonia. So that's why I use the clarithromycin and then the aspirin. And that baby aspirin has been enough to keep people from getting clots with this treatment strategy. So you mentioned the website. I'll mention it one more time, budesonideworks.com. And on that website, people can get information. They can connect with doctors. They can get help wherever they are in the United States of America. If I got that right? Yes. And I got a call from a, a son, an adult son in from New York today about his father, who's 86 years old, in the Dominican Republic. And so I'm getting, I'm literally getting, I'm getting calls from Jamaica yesterday, from Jamaica, Mm -hmm. from uh, Australia, from all over the world. The message is out. The cat is out of the bag. Fauci Mm -hmm. can't stop this. The World Health Organization, I think they're smoking mirrors. The mirrors are cracking. The smoke's getting blown away. The reality is getting out despite them. And Mm -hmm. so I appreciate your effort, doctor, to get the word out. Well, we're in, and uh, just as we uh, conclude our time today, um, and, and I want to do this again because I would like to do a, a next program on the um, the potential damaging effects of treatments that are commonly done right now, because there's multiple medications out there. I think people would be very interested in that. But as we wrap up, as you see us going into a new calendar year, um, we don't know about the uh, leadership because that's all in flux right now. Everybody's aware of that. There's people out there right now that are going, okay, okay, you've just given me a glimmer of hope. What do you say to them right now? We're not helpless and we're not hopeless. And uh, the Lord provides before there's a problem. And I have a trail of success behind me, whereas there are other uh, institutions that have a trail of tears behind them. And I'll tell you what, what, just because someone says it, it doesn't make it so. And if you look at what Fauci has said, the CDC has said, the World Health Organization has said, they have flipped and flopped this way and that. Be careful who you listen to. 
Um, there are some winning strategies. I personally believe that we're going to hear good news uh, at the end of this election process and that uh, uh, I'm expecting that there will be new voices of reason about how to handle COVID-19 and how to lead our country and our people out of harm's way. But, Mm -hmm. you know, if right now, temporarily, a hospital or a doctor is trying to push remdesivir, we didn't touch on it, I don't think, but the World Health Organization said, looking at 11,000 patients, 30 nations, 470 hospitals, that's a pretty big number of, uh, they said there's statistically not one life is saved, Mm -hmm. even though it costs over $3,100 and it requires a four to five day hospital stay that you will be billed for that hotel stay. And you're losing valuable time and getting treated with medicines that can help and therapies that can help. And so if you have a loved one in the hospital and they say, let's give remdesivir, um, why would be a good question. Uh, Why would you do that to my loved one? Don't you value people would be a good statement. Um, Remdesivir has been proven to be a failure, even though after the World Health Organization said that, and uh, recently the New York Times reported that uh, about uh, recently, uh, you right after that, three days after that, the CDC said, we recommend, we approve remdesivir for COVID. Remdesivir was, was promoted initially for Ebola. It was created for Ebola. They didn't make enough money, apparently, on that outbreak. It just didn't get bad enough. So then they repackaged it, repurposed it, and pushed it out on the American people and on the world as a treatment for uh, COVID-19, which, according to the World Health Organization, they're admitting nine months later, well, you know, we were kind of saying do this, and now we can say we were wrong. It doesn't Mm -hmm. save one life. So you got to ask, why would a doctor be giving that now? Lots of evidence of things like that happening. Plasma products, those are blood products. We've known for 40 or 50 years that people get bloodborne illnesses from other people when they get a transfusion or get blood products from another person. And this is combined blood from other people. And so you're exposed to whatever diseases they have, blood, whether that's how people historically have gotten HIV and hepatitis and other problems are from blood products. Plasma is a blood product. Have you heard any doctor on TV tell you, well, the downside of giving convalescent plasma to someone who has COVID is, oh, by the way, they could get a bloodborne illness. I haven't heard that said one time on TV. Have you? Uh, I don't know why. It's not a new idea. I think the public knows more about this than these people. I'm just going to say people. I agree with you. And that's why I think um, grassroots efforts, efforts like we're doing here to continue to uh, populate the um, non-censored media with the choice media, I call it, giving people the opportunity to hear truth in various modalities is, is what we're about. Um, Richard, I, I can't um, thank you enough for two things. Number one, being my friend, I appreciate that more than you know, and I, I honor you as a as a friend and a colleague and, and what you're doing, I honor that too. That's admirable. It's godly. It's, it, there's a, there's a heart and a humbleness and a passion. That's truly the heart of God. So I appreciate that. Uh, secondly, I want to thank you for having the courage to share a message of hope and healing to a hurting dying land. And I know you would do it for one, 
but I know that there's more than one. There's been thousands out there. So for that, um, from me and all of our viewers, I just want to thank you for that. And um, can't wait to do this again. I, we uh, will talk about some of their stuff that we didn't get to touch on today. So, man. Yeah, there's a lot to say. Mark, I thank you for your friendship. Absolutely. And uh, folks, thank you so much for joining us today. Another episode of Healthcare's Missing Link. Uh, I always ask you to do this and I mean it. Subscribe to the link below. We'll put the links in there for Dr. Bartlett's um, website, Budesonide Works. We'll make sure you have that. But always subscribe to find out who and what subjects are coming up next. It's important. Don't let these hidden things or su suppressed information steal your health from you. You have the right to have your best health, and we encourage you to do that. We'll see you next time on Healthcare's Missing Link.